The Rockies bend the Cardinals over and spank them like a child. We'll break down last night's ugly loss in Denver. We'll discuss issues with Dylan Carlson and the leadoff position, plus a couple of ugly instances on this day in Cardinals history, including a famous brawl between the Cardinals and the Reds, all on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm J.D. Haffer, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, lifetime Cardinals fan, and I am your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. We need some more followers on that Twitter account, by the way, LO underscore Cardinals. If you're not following already, you guys need to get on that. Uh, I want to thank you to those of you who have made Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe to it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Cardinals on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment so you can interact with us. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. So are the Rockies done scoring yet? Does anybody know? Anybody, anybody check in on that one? Holy moly. That was not what we wanted to see to begin this three-game series in Denver, especially when you've got one of your top arms on the mound and one Miles Michaelis. So let's break down some of the good and a, a whole lot of the bad that happened last night at Coors Field as the Cardinals get blown out by the Rockies 16-5. to Let's start with the good that happened pregame. <laughs> you had Albert, you had Yachty. They're uh, making their final rounds around the ballparks of Major League Baseball. You'll see more and more of this each opening game of a series that they're on the road in the Rockies. I the two Cardinal legends before the game, but uh, neither of them were in the starting lineup. And maybe that's where the problems began for the Cardinals, because it seems like you need either one of those two guys in the lineup to kind of spark the Cardinals team and uh, get, get their fire burning early on in the game. Um, when we got the game underway, it didn't take long for things to go sideways for Michaelis and the Cardinals. The cards go one, two, three in the top of the first and in the bottom of the inning. The Rockies got two one-out singles, and then their most dangerous hitter, the all-star first baseman, C.J. Crone, catches a one-two fastball. It was up in the zone, and he kindly deposited it uh, 450 feet away from home, played into the left field stands, quickly three to nothing. And I think a lot of us in the moment said the same thing. We were like, oh, shoot. But probably in the expletive way instead it's you know you get that bad feeling when you see games at Coors Field um it's unlike any other ballpark where you can just kind of sense that things might get a lot a little wild in this one and unfortunately for the Cardinals it was about to get really wild in favor of the Rockies the game remained three to nothing into the bottom of the third inning and with one out the Rockies unleashed the fury on Michaelis Randall Gritchick former Cardinal gets a single his second of a uh, career high five hits on the night, uh, Ellie Harris Montero, who is part of the Nolan Arnato trade between the uh, Cardinals and the Rockies, he singles. Elias Diaz doubles. All of a sudden, four to nothing Rockies. Sam Hilliard singles. 
five to nothing Rockies. But Dylan Carlson props to DC out in center field, does come up gunning, throws out Diaz trying to score, which was nice. It makes it two out, but the mulling continued. Charlie Blackman singles. Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias all of a sudden is a good hitter. Where did this come from? Remember, he was a glove guy all those years with Detroit, then had a little bit of a resurgent year with the bat with the Cincinnati Reds, and then I kind of lost track of him. I think he might have went to Baltimore or something, but all of a sudden he's sitting like close to 320. But anyway, um, he's single, six to nothing Rockies. Brennan Rogers single, seven to nothing. CJ Crone doubles, nine to nothing. And that's when Ollie Marmel finally pulled the plug on Michaelis to, to bring in Packy Naughton, who Walks Ryan McMahon and then serves up a no one changeup that Gritchick connects on for a line shot over the center field wall for his 12th home run of the season. That makes it 12 to nothing. And I'll be honest with you, I saw none of this happen. I saw none of this happen. I was working an event last night that wrapped up right when uh, the first pitch started. I had to pick up dog food after uh, afterwards for my little dachshund, Minnie. So I was listening to the game on the way back. I parked the car. I came into the house, made up some dinner real quick. I didn't know this was all going to happen. What did that take? 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Sit down. I flip on the game and was like, what the? That's how quickly things can get turned around at Coors Field. So uh, final line on Michaelis last night, two and two thirds innings pitch, 10 runs, 14 hits, one home run, two strikeouts, no walks. He allowed... uh, Double-digit runs for the first time since August 13th of 2014 when the Rays tagged him for 10 runs. After the game, Michaelis had this to say about the the outing. I don't like the results. How many hits off me? 14 total. I would say four of them were pretty well hit, and I'd say the other 10 were not. Tip your cowboy hat to them putting the ball in play, but a, a lot of weak contact, jam shots, numbers that found their way through. Sometimes you just have to roll with the tumbleweeds and Deal with your bad luck and right back on that pony again. You hear a lot of Western references going on there in those quotes. Uh, Michaelis was rocking a cowboy hat in the locker room afterwards. Uh, he entered the game with a 2.92 ERA. That has elevated. It is now 3.50. His course field ERA rose to 13.50 in four appearances. Good for 20 runs over 13 in the third inning. So it's not as if he's had much success at course field to begin with, but it's been a different Miles Michaelis this season, but on this night, just wasn't meant to be. Uh, he has held his opponents to two earned runs or less in eight of his previous 11 starts, but according to CBS Sports, Michaelis became the first pitcher to allow that many hits and that many runs before collecting a ninth out. Kind of a, a dubious honor there. Uh, he was quoted as saying, again, tip your hat. They definitely had an approach to maybe not try to do so much, just take those singles and sometimes It's death by a thousand cuts. I came into the game saying I'm going to keep the ball down and make them hit singles and earn it, earn it. And they hit like 12 singles. Maybe that was the wrong strategy. Maybe I should have let them pop it up or something. I don't know. Whatever I did obviously wasn't the best thing to do. But one thing that is great about baseball is that you more times than not have another game the next day. And you just have to forget about one game, move on to the next one. And Michaelis clearly has that approach saying There's not a whole lot you can really get upset about. Just roll your eyes and say, what was me? But that's the game. That's the sport. I'll put it behind me very easily. Like, I already forgot about it. That's yesterday's news, which is clearly the best way to look at it. Things like this happen at Coors Field from time to time. And they just don't happen as much as at other ballparks. It just, Coors Field's a different animal. Uh, Manager Ali Marmols didn't seem to uh, too concerned about the game after saying, He's perfectly fine. Tough outing at the end of the day. At the end of the day, these are the ones you 
forget even happened. Wake up the next day, get back at it. The reality is the Rockies were aggressive early. I believe five hits on the first pitch. They scored some runs when he missed the middle a couple of times, and then everything else they put in play, found a hole. There are days those are at people. Today, everything they hit just found grass somewhere. Tough day. Uh, the Cardinals did manage to tack on some runs and mount a mini comeback in the fifth inning. Newbar walks, and then Paul DeYoung puts a jolt into a sinker on a uh, 3-1 count for his fifth home run of the season, making it 12-2 Rockies. This was DeYoung's 101st career home run, and it was at the same place that he debuted and hit his first home run, so that was kind of cool. Again, really nice to see Paulie taking confident hacks at the plate. He, he's been a big part of why the Cardinals have had a lot of their recent success, so uh, keep swinging it there, Paulie D., uh, top of the sixth, the uh, Nolans get to work. Gorman doubles, Arenado doubles, driving into 69th RBI of the season. Tyler O'Neill lines out. Now, Tyler hit a couple of balls right on the button last night. Now, I know he hasn't had a lot of success recently, but it looks like the swing is coming around. Um, timing is starting to come together, and if he turns it on, we all know how much damage he can actually do in this lineup. Just got to keep him healthy long enough to get there. That's really been the issue so far this season. Uh, once again, um, new bar walks, the young is hit by a pitch. And then with the bases loaded, Kisner hits a single up the middle, makes it 12, five Edmund then gets an infield single and the bases are loaded for Dylan Carlson, but strikes out ends the rally. And that's about as close as the Cardinals would get in the bottom half of the inning. The Rockies answer with two runs. They make it 14 to five. And then in the bottom of the seventh inning, Ryan McMahon absolutely destroys a ball 495 feet off of TJ McFarland makes it 16 to five something special about this home run now this homer is the third longest at Coors and the longest by a Rocky since Statcast began measuring in 2015 and only one foot shy of the longest home run of the season which was hit by the Marlins Jesus Sanchez at Coors Field back in May which was an estimated 496 feet the longest ever at Coors, in case you were wondering, a 504-footer hit by then Marlins outfielder Giancarlo Stanton on August 6th of 2016. So the ball tends to fly this time of year at Coors Field, clearly. Uh, the loss snaps their seven-game winning streak for the Cardinals, drops the squad to 60-49 and 49 on the season. The Brewers did, unfortunately, beat the race, so the Cardinals' lead in the NL Central shrinks to just one game. On the wild card side of things, the Phillies won again. They rolled off six in a row, nine of their last ten to take over the second wild card spot. The Padres are now in the number three spot with the Braves holding on to the top wild card spot. And the Phillies are doing all of this without Bryce Harper. Just pointing that out. Yikes. Um, now, one of the more glaring weaknesses in the Cardinals lineup this season has been the leadoff spot. Dylan Carlson has been hitting there recently. We're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. Now, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, losing weight is something many of us think about. Shedding a couple of pounds for the summer or before an event like, like a wedding or something, or even before the holidays begin, knowing that you're going to go in and start chowing down on everything. And did you know that the key to sustainable weight loss is actually through your liver? The liver is the body's metabolic furnace. It's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. But thanks to modern diets rich in unhealthy processed foods and constant exposure to thousands of man-made and environmental toxins, most of us have overworked livers. By now, it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting super nutrients like turmeric, beet and artichoke extract, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver. 
and turn it into a toxin flushing and fat burning machine. No more bloated belly. No more uncomfortable digestion. No more feeling tired and low on energy all the time. And best of all, Liver Health Formula makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long term. As a listener of Locked on Cardinals, you can try Liver Health Formula risk-free today and get a free bottle of Curb Fit with your order. Curb It is a safe and all-natural appetite suppressant, making it easy to say no to naughty foods. The cheeseburgers, the pizza, the chips and dip. You know, you know the, the ones that we're all really, really attracted to. This makes it the perfect complement to Liver Health Formula. So uh, go to getliverhelp.com backslash MLB to learn more. Again, that's getliverhelp.com backslash MLB to try liver health formula completely risk-free and claim your free bottle of curb fit with your order. Go to getliverhelp.com backslash MLB now to get started. Now, Bernie Nicholas has been a longtime writer in the St. Louis area. And if you've never gone to scoopswithdannymack.com, you, you really should. Cool website. That's uh, Danny Mac, Dan McLaughlin, the uh, uh, TV announcer for the Cardinals website. And Bernie writes over there, and he recently did a piece. And in it, he went over the struggles that the Cardinals have had from the leadoff spot. Now, he points out that the Cardinals have a 293 on base percentage from the leadoff spot, which would be tied for the lowest OBP posted by the Cardinals in a season during the Bill DeWitt Jr. era, which began in 1996. That's how bad it's been. The uh, 1998 team had a 293 on-base percentage as well. Now, Tommy Edmond, who started the season in the top spot, his overall OBP when leading off this season is 325, but he had regressed a bunch to a 282 leadoff spot on uh, base percentage in July. That's not good. That's not good enough. And that's when they turned to Dylan Carlson to see if maybe he could add a little punch at the top. And um, he hasn't fared any better. He has a 225 on-base percentage, a 475 OPS and 201 plate appearances in the leadoff spot this season. Now, Carlson went over four last night with two strikeouts, that big one with the bases loaded as the Cardinals were, were getting some momentum going. And it looked like they were going to make a comeback, and uh, then it fell short. He's now hitting 143 in August with a 226 OBP, 321 slugging. Now, for those who say, well, August just started, give him, cut, you know, cut him some slack, give him a break. Bernie adds this in July and August. He's only batting 217 with a 291 on base percentage, and his strikeout rate has inflated to 22% over that time. His walk rate has gone in the opposite direction. It's gone down to 7%. That's not good. I pointed out a couple of weeks ago how the leadoff spot continued to be an issue on this team, and that we haven't really seen a solid leadoff guy since um, Matt Carpenter. Lucas brought up Matt Carpenter that day. I was like, what, Rafael Furcal, Fernando Vina. I mean, we're talking a while since we've had somebody really uh, a legitimate leadoff guy. It's been a struggle. And you, you've got this incredible heart of the order with Goldie and Arenado when O'Neill's going, he's, he's a special hitter. Goldie Arenado, you got MVP candidates for this season, but the team is still looking for the right guys, not only in the leadoff spot, also in that number two hole. Personally, I, I liked it when Goldie was hitting number two because it not only got him up to the plate quicker, like you, you, you saw him in the first inning, Second batter right away, bang, you got to face him. Um, which also, as the lineup, you know, rolls over throughout the game, he's got, you know, he's he's closer to getting up to the plate again. But um, it also gives who whomever is in the leadoff spot 
the the pitcher's got to worry about that guy even more because you don't want to walk him. Okay, you know you, you can't really like pitch around the guy, try to get him to chase because if he's patient enough, he could take a walk, and then you got to run around in front of Goldschmidt, which is not the way any starting pitcher would want to start a game. So um, the Yankees do it with Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge bats in the number two hole for New York. You saw that in the series, and he constantly came up in key positions. And there's been that argument that your most dangerous hitter should be in the number two spot instead of the the three hole or the or the cleanup spot. Uh, Mike Trout has batted second for the Angels for quite some time now. Um, it's just something that, that I know they had Goldschmidt in that spot before. I, I wasn't sure why they moved him down and made him and Arnado the three four guys. But on the other side of things, I'm also intrigued by having two switch hitters at the top of the order. You could have Tommy Edmond bat lead off, Dylan Carlson bat second. And then go Goldschmidt and Arnado. I prefer Edmund at the top just because he's got a chance of, of stealing a bag for you over Carlson. Carlson runs well, don't get me wrong, but but Edmund clearly a, a bigger threat than than Carlson is. But no matter who Ali Mormal picks, that person needs to learn to take more pitches. I, I find that that's a that's a real big issue with whoever's batting leadoff. They don't take enough pitches, which was something that I loved about Matt Carpenter in the leadoff spot. I mean, you had the one year where he was sitting all the home runs and stuff, but he always made that pitcher work. If you ever noticed it, he had such a great eye, and he was always making that pitcher work, and that's great for the rest of the lineup. You get to see more of the arsenal that that pitcher's working with in front of the other guys, and it wears the pitcher out. I mean, those are the most annoying hitters. Remember Eckstein? David Eckstein, five foot nothing, 100 and nothing, was a solid leadoff guy, had no power, average speed, but he made the pitcher work. He took pitches. He fouled a lot of pitches off. That's what you need from a, from a leadoff guy. The walk rate, the OBP, it's got to improve for this lineup to reach its full potential. I don't know who you're going to put up there that's any better than Edmund or Carlson. I mean, there's nobody really on the line in the lineup that you can see and be like, you know, hey, let's try him. I mean, those are kind of your two guys. You just got to get more out of them. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about some Cardinals history. On this day in Cardinals history, we had one of the worst brawls in recent memory. We'll be discussing that here in just a moment. At BlueNile.com, uh, remember, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic, a timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her. That perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Whether you're customizing an engagement ring or designing diamond stud earrings, online jeweler Blue Nile will allow you to create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine at a price that you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Basically giving you more bang for your buck, or more sparkle for your buck, if you will. They've got expert advice 24-7, legendary service with 30-day returns. You get guaranteed service and repair for life. That's huge. Uh, if you need it fast, in most cases, Blue Nile can uh, deliver overnight, which is key. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. You can save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So one of the things I like to do, and I mentioned it in yesterday's show, that uh, I, I enjoy the history 
of the game, specifically the history of the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, the on this day in history for the Cardinals, there, there's always stuff that pops up and you're just like, wow, I do remember that. Um, want to take you back to a few of these moments that happened on this date on August 10th. Uh, the Detroit Tigers traded a player to be named later and Ken Hill back in 1986 to the Cardinals for catcher Mike Keith. Now, Hill, this was a, this set off a, a string of things that were a big deal. Now, Hill was traded by the Cardinals to the Expos in 1991. Do you guys remember who he got? they got back? The big cat, Andres Galarraga, who had struggled with injuries in his last season in Montreal. And when he got to St. Louis, what happens? He gets hit by a pitch and he, and he breaks his wrist early on in the season. He doesn't return until July, but ends up hitting 296 after the All-Star break including all 10 of his home runs, and uh, ended up making such an impression on then the Cardinals hitting coach, Don Baylor, that when Baylor got hired to be the new manager of the Colorado Rockies, he suggested that the team sign Galarraga as a free agent, and he went on a tear <laughs> for Colorado. He hit 370 in 1993. He had home run years of 22, 31, 31. Then in 1996, 47 with 150 driven in, 41 bombs and 140 driven in in 1997. In 1998, he ends up hitting 44 home runs at 121 RBIs with Atlanta. Had a wonderful career, really kind of restarted his career with the Cardinals. And unfortunately, he did all of his damage later on with uh, Colorado and Atlanta. Ken Hill goes on to win 16 games in 92 and 94 for the Expos and was an all-star in 94, finished second in the Cy Young Award that year to Greg Maddox. And the Cardinals are like, well, let's get him back. So they make a trade. They get him back in 1995, and he falls apart again. Didn't find the same success. And in July, they move him on to Cleveland. Now, a couple of uh, things that happened on the state and Cardinals history as well. So, some, uh, some, an odd one here. The first forfeit in the majors in 16 years occurs in 1995 when the fans, for the third time during the night, throw promotional souvenir baseballs onto the Dodger Stadium field. At the time of the decision to halt the game, L.A. is trailing the Cardinals 2-1 to one with one out in the bottom of the ninth. Baseballs were distributed to fans as they entered Dodger Stadium. The game was delayed in the seventh inning when some fans started throwing the souvenir balls on the field. In the bottom of the ninth, with St. Louis leading 2-1, to one, the first batter, Raul Mondesi, remember that name, was called out on strikes. He started to complain to umpire Jim Quick and got ejected. Dodger manager Tommy Lasorda, Lasorda rest in peace, was, uh, was ejected as well. The fans become upset, and they just start chucking the balls onto the field again. The umpires brought the Cardinal team in from the field while the grounds crew cleared it. When play resumed, the fans again bombarded the field, and the umpire said that's it, but forfeited the game in favor of St. Louis. How many forfeits do you hear about in Major League Baseball? Uh, on this date as well, Rafael Fercal becomes the 12th player to turn an unassisted triple play in Big League history. Did that in 2003. And here's the one that I really wanted to point out. On this date, 2010, at Great American Ballpark, when the Cardinals and the Reds rivalry really began. Red second baseman Brandon Phillips made some disparaging comments about the Cardinals to the media. And when he came up to the plate in the first inning, Yadier Molina stepped up and you could see that he started mouthing off a little bit to Phillips. Phillips exchanged words back. The two men got face to face and then the pushing and the shoving began. Former Cardinal Scott Rowland, who was now a Red, tried to calm things down. But then Tony LaRussa and Reds manager Dusty Baker, who did not like each other whatsoever, which was part of the fun of the whole rivalry between the Cardinals and the Cubs and then the Cardinals and the Reds, 
Uh, these two continue to jaw at one another. And um, then all of a sudden you see the uh, the pile just start moving. And it's Scott Rowland and Chris Carpenter, who are friends. who start getting physical. And then the massive grouping of players, momentum, it takes them into that back wall behind home plate at Great American Ballpark. Cardinals catcher and former Red Jason LaRue suffers a mild concussion and bruised ribs. Chris Carpenter also receiving bruises on his back during the seven-minute scrum. Uh, Red starting pitcher Johnny Cueto would be suspended seven games for kicking the Redbirds catcher and pitcher. And what happened is, like, Cueto gets pushed on the back of the wall there. And to be honest, when you go back and you look at it, you're not totally sure if he's doing it just to kind of keep himself safe or he's just kind of being a jerk. But he starts kicking his legs and he ends up striking LaRue in the head. So LaRue gets a concussion, initially thought to be slight, but he experienced severe post-concussion symptoms. And then September 18th, had to announce his retirement from Major League Baseball. So ended his career because of this brawl. I lived in Cincinnati at the time and had tickets to this game. And I was with a bunch of people at a a local establishment beforehand. We're having some drinks and eating some food. And we weren't exactly in much of a hurry because it was a a big crowd that night. And we saw the lines. We're like, well, let's just take our time. We'll wait till the crowd kind of eases off a little bit. So um, we chill a bit. Cardinals hit. After they're done hitting, we start to walk over. And we're in line getting scanned in when the brawl happens. Not even in the ballpark yet. So I missed the whole thing. Missed the whole thing. And since this uh, moment, the Cardinals and Reds have just had that fierce rivalry that's led to uh, multiple dust-ups over the years, including last year. Remember, Castellanos gets hit by a pitch, doesn't like it, ends up scoring on, uh, I think it was either pass ball or a wild pitch later, and then he flexes on Jake Woodford after scoring. Fun times. Fun times. The brawl opens up then. Uh, no punches or anything thrown, but it was uh, clearly uh, the Cardinals were upset. Yachty, again, was the one who had to stick up for uh, Jake Woodford. Um, it was huge. I was at that game, and I saw that one, but I was out in left field <laughs> during that one, so I wasn't quite as close as I would have been for that brawl in 2010 because I had nice seats uh, that night. But um, I'll put the links in the description down below on YouTube for you to check out those two instances if you guys uh, want to reminisce on them. Uh, tonight, the lefty Jose Quintana will make his second start for the Cardinals against left-hander Kyle Freeland for the Rockies, which means we're going to get a right-handed dominant lineup for the Redbirds. Uh, Molina, Pujols, likely both of them back in the lineup. So let's hope tonight's game goes uh, a wee bit better than last night's. Uh, be sure to follow along at LO underscore Cardinals during the game for in-game takes and just general goofiness. I always kind of have fun with uh, the the gifts and the memes and all that stuff with everybody during the game. So if you want to follow along, that'd be cool. We definitely need to get more followers on the Twitter account. We've got so many followers on YouTube. Obviously, people who listen to the podcast, I have no idea why nobody has followed the Twitter page. Can, can you help me out a little bit there? Let's get that done. LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter. And uh, you can follow along there. Also, you can hit me up on my uh, personal Twitter page at JD Sports Radio. Once again, we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every game and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. A reminder for those of you who are on YouTube, feel free to comment like subscribe below that would be great helps the channel continue to grow and uh obviously keep downloading the podcast keep listening we're having a blast together let's uh let's get back on a winning streak tonight in colorado shall we 
I'm J.D. Haffer. Thanks for hanging with me. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason. And I'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals.